Today on the ZabeCast, the NFL has opened a can of misery with this new lowering your head rule. To quote the great John McEnroe, you cannot be serious. Drew Olson rides with me today. He's going to go to the final four, and we'll get to the bottom of why he hates the song, One Shining Moment. We got Sister Jean. We got Chavez Latrine. We've got Man Law and more. You got an hour to kill? Then buckle up and let's go. Wednesday, March 28, 2018. It is the last day before months and months and months of glorious baseball. And we welcome back the national pastime. We also welcome back from the Big 920 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. One day later, it's our boy Drew Olson. Somebody asked me, Drew, where did I get this song from? What is it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I had to explain to him Bob and Doug McKenzie and Getty Lee. Hey, uh, who's your takeoff? Uh, this was, wasn't this from a movie? It was a, a bit on SCTV that went to a movie called Strange Brew. Oh, that's right. This was from Strange John Brew. John Candy in that, too. Now, think about this, Zabe, because to you and me, and when you, it's a sign of getting older. Stuff that happened 30 years ago seems like it was last week. Yeah. And then think about that, like people in your youth, when you were a whippersnapper just out of college or something, people telling you about Ab- Abbott and Costello routines or something. I know. Or just I like, are you it. kidding? The Honeymooners were a great show. And then he used to say, to the moon, Alice. Like, what the fuck? But I was passingly aware of the culture. I, I, I knew of those references. I wasn't completely out of my depth and blank stare like, what the fuck are you talking about? I, I feel, I, I I feel now that whenever I bring up a Larry Bird or Magic Johnson take, I feel almost like I'm... You're prehistoric. Up, I feel like I'm a guy that's referencing George Mikan. <laughs> Koozie was a so, hell of a ball handler. Or a, right, or a Koozie <laughs> reference, you know? There's no but, doubt. But hey, as long as we continue to be sports fans and as long as we continue to be alive... This is our fate. We will become that old guy sports fan who sees the new guys and say, ah, he's not as good as Bird or Magic back in the day. Daddy, who are they? Or Grandpappy, who were those players? Well, son, come sit on my knee and I'll tell yeah. you. Yeah, I, 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 I did a show with a beloved dear partner of mine who would make references to Rick Barry complaining about calls and stuff. I'm like, nobody knows who the hell Rick Barry is, dude. We're not doing a show at the at Del Boca Vista. Yeah. <laughs> you got to freshen it up a little bit. Let's go. Keep it current e- for the current Even generation. Bill Lambeer complaining about referees is now in the dustbin of history. Yeah, it's pretty bad. All right, let's start with the big story that came out yesterday. A surprise sneak attack on the rule book in the NFL, Drew. Lowering your head will now be subject to a 15-yard penalty and a possible ejection. This was a rule change proposal, number 11, on a list of 1 through 10 that the league released a week ago. Nobody saw this coming. This came out of left field, and now people are freaking out because it really is going to threaten the fundamental nature of football, I think. Sports used to be the toy store, Zabe. It used to be so much like fun and relatively easy, and we were looked down upon by the people. But now sports is like politics. This is like a state assembly slipping something into a bill at 3 in the morning. It is. And fucking it? everything up. This is unbelievable the yeah. way they did this. And why did they do it that way? I'm convinced because they knew if it was on their list of 10 proposals, it would have created a huge shitstorm, yes. and they would have been pressured to scrap it. It's almost like maybe in some ways they're seeking balance because they've, at least in some circles and some people's thoughts, they've clarified the catch rule to an extent. And so now they're going to so muddy, muddy up, up this one. Rule? So all the money what is or is not a tackle. All the time that we spent worrying about whether he had control or did he complete, was it a football act? All this, did he go to the ground and complete the catch? All that shit is now gone. But now we have to worry: did he lower his head? Hmm? Yeah, hmm? exactly. I would say most fans would willingly. And, and eagerly give up the clarification we think we gained on the catch rule to eliminate this new rule about lowering your head. Why didn't they just go with, uh, you know, the college targeting rule seems to work okay. Why not just adopt that? 
That you know, a lot of people don't like the college targeting rule. I don't know where you stand on it. Uh, I'm I'm okay with I'm it. I'm okay with though- it. I see it in, enforced in um, an inconsistent manner because college referees ostensibly aren't as good as NFL referees. Right. I, I see it, as you do, enforced way inconsistently, but at least it's not as invasive as what this rule will be. This will be the most invasive, controversial rule, depending on how they call it, this coming fall. Like, we have never seen anything like this in the NFL. Because they don't even have a teaching tape, Drew, that says this is a foul, this is not a foul. This is a violation, this is not a violation. But guess what? The internet being what it is and people being industrious and creative, there I bet by the end of today, if not already, there will be on Twitter cut-ups and, and you know 60-second highlight reels showing, well, that's going to be a penalty next year, and that's going to be a penalty, and that's going to be a penalty. Don't you think we'll see that on the internet by the end oh, of the day? absolutely. And then, but the thing is, like, the owners asked for this. That's that's what I'm the reporting I'm seeing is that the owners kind of asked for this. Yeah, I bet the owners asked for it because it all goes back to of course the liability and I think the owners were freaked the fuck out about the Ryan Shazier injury, which thankfully you've seen how Shazier is progressing in yeah. recovery. Amazing. Was doing pull-ups the other day. Uh yeah. phenomenal uh recovery by him, but I think they were scared, you know, senseless because that was looking like a really, really bad injury. And Shazier is not a quarterback who's in every piece of marketing the league has. But someday, a quarterback who is in every marketing piece will be lying motionless on the field, facing a life in a wheelchair. And that could be disastrous for the league. Yeah, I, I agree. It's the the way they slip this in. It's just it's a cluster. It's just it's waiting to happen. You're right. It's it's a one sentence rule, isn't it? That isn't that the the language of it well i we're all still coming to grips with it well uh, I, I, it'll I be it, rewritten but it was as far as i know i, I saw it was like one sentence. It, it shall be a 15 yard penalty uh let me see find this i sentence. saw on twitter i saw somebody with a screenshot of the rule book with crossing out certain parts of the rule as if this already existed somewhere in the mm. rule book that's another thing. Nobody's really sure what's actually in the rule. The, the rule, uh, the one I saw, it said, it is a 15-yard foul if a player lowers his head to initiate and make contact with his helmet against an opponent. And that's what the new rule is going to that, be. That's huh? what it said. So it's so open that, to that interpretation. Applies, Replay is going to be a cluster. It's going to be That applies awful. to offense. It applies to defense. It yeah. applies to linemen. It applies to running backs. It apply, A running back at the goal line gets horizontal with yep. his helmet. Otherwise, he's benched. Like, what are you running like a pussy? Get in there. You need forward lean. You need to plow your way into the end zone. And nose tackles are going horizontal to the ground, by which their helmet will be the first thing that hits people. This could be a disaster. Or it might be something that they put in just for the lawyers and just for the concussion lawsuit, and they never actually really enforce. Well, the fact that they put it in, they could have made it a point of emphasis and gone by what rules they already have, I guess, but they decided to go the extra step. I think you're right. It's it's CYA. Yeah, cover your ass. Did you think, let's go ahead and just close our eyes for a second, and let's rewind life to 10 years ago. Did you think, Drew, you'd ever see a day in which one man – in a TV room in New York City, would call the entire league every Sunday, would make the final call on all video reviews, and we would have a rule against lowering your helmet. Ten years ago, would you have imagined such a horrific landscape in the NFL? I would not have imagined that, no. But you like replay, don't you? I hate replay. It's terrible. And speaking of replay, here's an addendum to the way the league is running now. Uh, A report by Sal Palantonio said that the NFL used what is now going to be the new catch rule in the Super Bowl on the replay decisions, even though that rule had not yet been passed. That is, um, well, we all knew that. Because I said that, Ertz and Clement, take your pick. Are those catches during the season? No. We've seen catches like that right. overturned. There's no fucking way. Sal Pell said in a conversation with Alberto Riveron uh, that 
that the rule was already in place for replay rulings involving Ertz and Clement and said Palantonio they were basically legislating on the fly during the Super Bowl. That's insane. Chris Mortensen agreed with Palantonio saying, I, I will still maintain, as I said, Monday saw rule in action during the Super Bowl when the Eagles played the Patriots. Wow. And yet the league is going to assume, Drew, that we're going to be there front and center in front of our TVs and in the stadiums cheering, cheering, cheering come September no matter what. They just assume that, they build that in, and they're probably right. But at some point with enough tinkering, with enough nonsense, they're going to break the model, I think. I Maybe think- not yet. Cuban Cuban said that they were going to get fat and suffocate, didn't he? No, Remember hogs, hogs, uh, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered, was what he said. Yeah, well, and he said that uh, the NFL's comeuppance was within a ten-year window. We are now at year five of that Cuban. He, he might prediction. be right. <laughs> All right, you're going to the final four. I am. Congratulations, Drew. Very exciting. Last time you were at the big final four shoot them out um never i've never been to a final never four. Been to a i've final been to four. regionals in, in arizona and uh i've never been to a final four on the bingo card of big time sporting events which squares remain unticked once you go to the final four uh masters okay and olympics are either the two. winter or summer either winter or summer I've never been okay. to an olympics never been to a masters i've been to how about wimbledon Wim- you, wimbledon wimbledon is that even a major anymore yeah i'm just i'm just thinking of, i love it but okay. no i've never been all right so you've been to an nba finals game i have been to an nba finals game yes okay you've been to a world series obviously. i have been to world series all-star super games bowl. super bowl uh, i've stanley never been to a cup national finals? championship game i've been to a couple stanley cup finals really yeah when was this? Uh, I cover when the Blackhawks beat the Penguins, this. and I be, I covered the Rangers winning against the uh, Canucks. That was a great frequent was that flyer when mile you were series. In your ink stained wretch days. I was a newspaper guy. Yeah, Sentinel? indeed. Okay. Yeah, my boss. I had a new and boss, sent, and they sent you to cover those, even though baseball was your wheelhouse. Yes. Well, uh, baseball hadn't been my wheelhouse yet. Oh, I was still okay. general assignment, and they sent me. My new boss wanted to make a splash and shock the industry, so we covered the Stanley Cup and the Rangers. And while I was covering the Rangers, this is a great story, while I was covering the Rangers, Canucks, and flying 94. across the continent in 94, yeah, that on an off night, I was in New York with a night off, and my boss realized, hey, the Knicks are playing tonight. Why don't you go over and cover that playoff wow. game? So I covered the uh, Reggie Miller shooting down Spike Lee game. No way. <laughs> I was I just happened to fall into that one. Oh, this yeah. This was back when they would send reporters willy-nilly all over the country oh, yeah. with hotel room expenses, mini bar expenses, per diem expenses. Yep. Rental car expenses. Well, I never rented a car in New York, well, but that was okay. it. But but yeah, it was that was the kind of deal. That was the harmonic convergence. I was covering the World Series in 01 when Michael Jordan came back with the Wizards and had to cover his first wow. game back because it's like, hey, why don't you blow off that World Series game and go to the Garden? Okay. I went to the wow. Garden and watched that. So so you were uh, you were all of, what, 22 years old at the time? Oh, I was in my 20s, yeah. Pretty good sweet. Good times? Oh, good times, yeah. Were yeah. you married at the time? Uh, no, I was cohabitating, living in sin. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. To the same woman you're now married yes, to? Yes. Okay, indeed, so yes. at least there's that. Yeah. And how did she feel about you going all over the place and leaving all the time? Well, it was actually a good uh, practice for when I got the baseball beaten and I was gone half the year. <laughs> and I think that extends your marriage, actually. Oh, I, I agree. It's, uh, you know, I always say, honey, we, uh, we took vows. Till death do we part. Let's pace ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a long, uh, it's a long march to the grave, honey. Let's not wear ourselves out along the way. So, all right, so you're going to the Final Four. Yes, um, uh, First Doing Radio ever, Row, and, yeah. What's and, it like? I mean, I've I've been Super Bowl well, radio, radio Row. Row. It's a, it's a it's a bit of a cooked up Radio Row compared to the Super Bowl. It's smaller, and it's kind of controlled by Westwood One, who I guess is sending you. You'll get a lot of good guests. You'll get a lot of good coaches. Coaches love to show up to these things. Hey, coach, 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 coach. It's sweatsuits and track suits all over the place. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a good event. I went last year in Phoenix. This year. I missed the cut for uh, our station. I guess someone else is going, which is fine. It's Easter Sunday. Oh, by the way. Oh well, see now this is the thing, and I've done this. Uh, the Zabe Ale theory always leave early. Oh, so you're leaving play. Friday? I'm leaving. No, I'm going to the Saturday games. Morning. I'm going Saturday. I'm leaving Sunday morning. Oh, okay. There you go. Because I got to be, be home back in time for service. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I have to be um, back for in Milwaukee opening day. The Brewers home opener is a holiday of epic proportion, so I have to be uh, back for that. What day is that? That's Monday. Monday. Yeah. Okay, so you'll be so back. So I'll, I'll be back Monday. 
Well, the and game- I've done that at a Super Bowl before, Zabe. I did Radio Row and then flew back on Sunday morning. Went to some parties on Saturday night and flew back on Sunday morning, which is the airport's empty. It's a sweet spot. I was oh, home easy. by kickoff. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Easy. It's great to get out of. Uh, but, yeah. So the thing about the Final Four is that ever since they moved it to domes, which I think was 98, the last one, where they had it at a normal stadium that was at uh, East, East Rutherford in New Jersey, the sight lines are unbelievably awful. It is yeah. awful to play a basketball game in a dome, but the NCAA loves whoring out for the money. They love selling 45, 50,000 tickets instead of 18,000. I say they should just double the price of the tickets yeah. and keep it in a normal stadium. And if people go, oh my God, it's $700 for a ticket to the game, it'd be like, yeah, because there's only 18,000. Supply, demand. Supply, demand. If you can't afford it or don't want to pay it, don't go. Well, yeah. we like to get fans in and sit, uh, you know, five acres away up in the upper deck of the Alamo Dome. Yeah, I never understand that. Like, what, what's the attraction there? And money I don't is know. the attraction. That's well, the attraction. I don't know where my press seat is going to be, but I'm not thinking because I'm a radio guy now. When I was a newspaper guy, I had I had prime seat. Like okay. an event like that, I'd be on TV. I'm not where expecting do, that now. Where do you stand on Sister Jean? Are you overstuffed on Sister Jean? Because now Sister Jean has T-shirts, bobbleheads licensed socks i was i was overstuffed uh two games into the tournament (laughs) two games in. Uh, how do you say that gracefully though enough uncle right without being a non-hater but it's it's part of the charm people have latched on to it and it it draws in the casual fans which makes it uh you know a go-to story for you know the tom rinaldi Everybody can do a Tom Rinaldi type. Tom Rinaldi trinkly piano piece. Yes, everybody can do that on their own. Like, oh, look at this. I told you there was a 98-year-old woman who rooted for a basketball team. See, I said this the other day, and, of course, some people took great umbrage at it, and I said, come on, get your panties out out of your crack on this one. I'm just being honest. I said, so she's an old lady who roots for the team. I'm, what am I missing here? Hey, how about like that? Like she's an old, yeah. she's the team <laughs> chaplain. I'm like, okay. okay, but at the end of the day, if she was the team chaplain and she was 52 years old, would there be a story about Sister Jean? Answer, no. Maybe one, but it would only be in Chicago. It wouldn't if go that, national. Yeah, it wouldn't go, somebody would do it. If that, there is a, there. I guess there's a counterpart for Michigan, Father Tom or something like that. He's their team chaplain, mm-hmm. and they're trying to push him as, "Hey, let's get this thing going." And pretty much the media is like, "No, nah, we're not going to write about him because yeah, we're he's not out. old." My like uh, old person roots for basketball team. My, hey, uh, how about that? hey, how about that? My on-air partner KB went to Catholic schools growing up, and he said all nuns have a mean streak. He said, "I guarantee you, she's got some skeletons from wrapping kids around back oh. in the day." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, <laughs> I. That's the thing about Sister Jean's face. I sense meanness. <laughs> she like she has like a mean face. I know she must be a sweet woman. Okay, I'm sure. I'm just saying that when I look at her, she, her nun face, resting nun me. face. Yeah, her resting <laughs> nun face scares the shit out of me. Is all I'm saying. All right, here's one I know where you stand on, but I'm gonna put a quarter in the machine anyway. How loud will you be singing? One shining moment at the oh, end of the tournament. Come oh. on, Drew. Soak in it. It's like acid to you. You hate it. I hate it with a passion, with the fire of a thousand suns. Could someone at least update the track, not make it sound like it's a... Well, they, they, they do now uh, do yeah. the, the new version, which is either the Luther version or it, the... Who else did one? Here we go. All is There you are. Running for your life. You're a shooting star, Drew. Yeah. Somebody said now the lyrics should be amended to the ball is tipped and there's a stoppage of play to see who it went out off of. <laughs> that would be that would be good. Uh, David Barrett wrote this song. Yeah, he wrote the song in five minutes, and it's a seventh-grade poetry exercise. The song, if you read the lyrics, is beyond laughable. And people, just in, if it's so great, how many people have it as their ringtone, and how many people listen to it with the the windows down on a summer day, blasting that, bumping that at the beach? Yeah, great fucking song. But everybody's right. like, oh, and I get hate mail from people because they don't understand why I hate it. It's like it's a summation of the tournament. The highlights are great. I can watch the highlights with the sound turned down. Pick another fucking song. So, what would you propose 
instead. I assume you're not against a, the tournament's over, let's do a recap of the best moments, and we need a musical piece for it. I assume you know, you're not against that. You're not no. advocating to just say, well, that, that was the tournament. Goodbye, everybody. No, I like the highlight package. I, I dig it. you want it. a different song I want a different song. Year, or something it, current, contemporary? You could, you could almost timestamp it by the year because when someone says, Depending hey. Depending what song is hot. What year was Sister Sledge's We Are Family on the top of the, oh, that was the 79 Pirates theme song. You know, that was their, you know, that you know that that was the answer. But a lot of these songs that they use for montages, Drew, are necessarily saccharine in nature. They are necessarily light, yeah. breezy, and aspirational in their lyrics, which if you're not in the right mood or sober, you feel kind of weird singing them. But you just get one cocktail, you get that good, warm feeling, you're like, oh, I'm into this, man. Every cliche covered, every box checked. Not only is it cliched in the lyrics, Zabe, it's cliched when it comes to the crying cheerleader and the diving guy and the coach going crazy. You're it right. It's true. It's the same you, thing. You over could, anybody and could over. put together that montage, and we could put it together from any year, and you wouldn't know what year it was, particularly. But I challenge all, right, so, all of our, all of our younger listeners who are in college now, the guys who are listening to this as they're, you know, avoiding schoolwork and stuff, um, get your buddies together with a 12 pack or, you know, uh, whatever. <clears throat> Mood enhancer of your choice. Yeah. Sit around. If one somebody has an electric guitar or can play the piano, in 10 minutes you can write a more compelling song than that song. Okay. I'm sure many people have tried because it's a huge career starter if you can do it. But like I said about these songs, you know, you, you start playing them and you start thinking, oh, this would be great with highlights. And then you start thinking, but that's going to be cheesy. Well, I, like, like here's one for you. Like, uh, something just like this from the Chainsmokers, okay? You want this instead? Can you the, see highlights? You could build some highlights, this? absolutely. Now, something just like this. What was the song that um, TNT? It's good right here. Yeah. Yes. Now the highlights pick up in intensity. Sure. It's got good punctuation beats, so you can put slam dunks and blocks on there. I'm a fan. Remember a couple years ago in the baseball postseason, TNT, TBS, whoever was doing it, assassinated that song, Written in the Stars? No. If I played it for you, I don't have a way to play it on my side. Well, I've got, uh, who's it by? Google up uh, Written in the Stars. Hell, I don't remember, but it's a freaking awful song. Just Google up (laughs) Written in the Stars, like NCAA. I don't know who it was. I don't... Uh, get, well, there's a couple here that. Uh... Is that it? Oh, that is not it, I don't think. Okay, uh, well, wait, maybe it was. Um... Is that it? No. Okay. Um, MLB. Maybe it was that first one. It was the 2011 postseason commercial. Tiny Tempa. Written in the There stars. it is. There. Tiny Tempa. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, this is explicit. So for those oh, of you yeah, listening yeah. on the but podcast, but they were they were only playing the. No. It was, it was just the written in the stars part that was in and out of commercials, and okay. it made people want to take an ice pick to their eardrums. Okay, let me just get this straight, Drew. You are not a soulless bastard who is anti-sports montages. Right? Oh, absolutely not. Okay, Love it. Good, it's a summational. Good. It's, it's, you just don't it's like perfect. the one shining moment uh, I, as and a song. That's no, all. that's exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So it's you have to separate those two things. The uh, sign of intelligence in Drew world is being able to hold two conflicting thoughts in well, your head. Cognitive I, dissonance for you right I, there. Yes, I like... I like the season ending, the summational tournament montage. I hate the fucking song that accompanies it. <laughs> okay. Now, and I'm coming from a place where when the Packers score a touchdown, Todd Rundgren's uh, bang on the drum plays. Sure. And that is a cultural phenomenon in the state of Wisconsin. He wrote it probably, you know, under the influence or something, but he wrote it in 10 minutes and it has survived and taken on a place, a mantle that 
if you right. just listen to the song, it doesn't really deserve. It's one a throwaway the, song. He admits it's a throwaway song, but it's now become eternal in Green Bay. One of the great montages that I saw, and it was only about a minute, and it was an ad. It was an ad put out by Major League Baseball at the end of the season, you know, like thanking baseball. Like, yay, baseball's over. Wasn't baseball great and fun? It was put to the tune of this, Crazy Youngsters from the movie Pitch Perfect. Now, this song is a little bit cheesy and saccharine and overly sweet, but guess what? They they had this incredible assemblage of baseball highlights, guys flipping the ball behind their back, double plays, running around, blowing bubbles in the dugout, little kids, little Jimmys Drew in the stands, <laughs> getting a baseball from a major leaguer, and then their eyes lighting up. And to this song, Crazy Youngsters, it's like, yeah, the players are crazy youngsters, and the kids watching baseball are all crazy youngsters. Sure. This by Esther Dean there. So, all right, good. Well, I'm glad that you're not a ghoul who doesn't no. like montages. You just don't like one shining moment. I don't like that, the song, the lyrics. I don't like it. Okay. That said, how are the Brewers going to be this year, Drew? Lay it on me. It's looking pretty good. A lot of people are nervous they didn't go get that uh, marquee starter, that Jake Arrieta right. guy. But he was available. They're um, they're actually looking pretty good. They had a good spring, but that's that's another thing where I love the run up to opening day, and it happens every year. Where people okay, the Brewers had the best record in spring training uh, in the Cactus League, okay, and that gets you nothing, and it's nothing. predictive. Craig Council had a great quote about it the other day. He's like, "Is it, is it supposed to be? You know, there's nothing." He's like, "You're not playing to win these games. You're playing for the development. You got minor leaguers at the end of the games deciding it." And like, okay, what does it mean? We got we had the best record. It means nothing, but people's hopes are up anyway with the Brewers. And then, no matter what your team is, whether you're picked to win the World Series or whether you're picked to lose a hundred games. If you lose the first game, there is such a, a deflation in the fan base. Like, oh, they Just lost the, the first opener. Game. Yes. Just and then the first game. It's, it's, it's incredible. The buildup, and like, it, 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 hopes are shattered. And then people realize the next day, oh, wait, there's 161 or more of these bastards. Right. But it's, a, it's incredible. It's like, it's hard to describe, man, from talking to fans. They get so bummed if your team loses the first game, which is no more meaningful than the second, third, or fourth game. Have you ever seen a, le- a year in which so many teams are trying to suck so hard? Because yeah. this is kind of where we're, we're now in uncharted territory right? when, when it comes to tanking, that more teams now are like, nah, we're, just, we're not going to participate this year. Yeah, and that's, you know, you you win 60 games just by showing up, right? <laughs> so uh, That's the theory. Yeah, so how Although much... some teams have gone sub-60 before. How much correct? worse can they be? Yeah, I guess, but it's like... What's the record for losses in the season, Major League Baseball? What is that, like 100, went to 116, maybe? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Boy. 116 and 40... Oh, my math is bad. Record number of losses, MLB. Uh, let's see. List of worst major league. I bet oh, you 62 Cleveland. Mets, 120, 40 and 120, 40 and 120 for and them. And Drew, how'd they ever win 40? How did they ever how'd win they, that? Answer man. the question. How'd they win 40? It's a miracle. It's a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> how'd they win 40? It's a miracle. I bet the uh, Cleveland Spiders are somewhere on this list. Oh yeah. They're, they're uh, the Pittsburgh no, Alleghenies. Uh, the Boston Doves in 1909 went 45 and 108. The Boston Rustlers two years later went 44 and 107. Uh, the Senators in 1909 stunk similarly 42 and 110. Of recent vintage, it was the 03 Tigers 43 and 119. Yes, yes that's the that's Tigers the benchmark. And, and, yeah, that that was the year that Dave Dombrowski was caught on tape at a luncheon for season ticket holders, ripping on his own players. Do you remember that? I kind of do, yeah. Where he, he was like, you know, going through guys like, this guy's a great guy. He's hitting 206. I can't give him away if I tried. <laughs> and he didn't know some Weisenheimer was in the crowd with a tape recorder and was going to release it, and then it was going to cause a big shitstorm. Yeah, so and that's... Think- you think the uh, the Brewers have a, have a good shot of being a playoff team? I think, yeah, the wild card at least. There's that hope. They may be a year or two away from that, but it's they're on the cusp. I mean, they missed it by a game last year, so there's a lot of optimism. Okay. 
I think it was Dave Dombrowski. I'm, I'm trying to Google search it. Uh, right that was now. the year Alan Trammell managed that year. Yeah. And with Kirk Gibson and Lance Parrish on the staff. Okay. Yeah. But, woo, 119, American League record. How will remember Dave Dombrowski as Tigers president GM? He resurrected the Tigers after 12 years of sub-500 seasons. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. I don't have the audio here. We move on, shall we? Shall we? Shall we move on? Yeah. While we're on baseball, uh, this one is (laughs) – talk about – the the, the headline is great. It says, sewage leak spills on the field during game at Dodger Stadium, giving new meaning to Chavez – Latrine. <laughs> <laughs> the exhibition finale between the Angels and Dodgers cut short because of a foul-smelling leak that spilled sewage onto the field. Hey, who shits on the field? Not mine. 32-minute oh. delay, two outs, bottom of the fifth inning. The water main leak left a brown mess pooling near the Dodgers' dugout as the grounds crew spread a drying agent and worked furiously to clean it up. Hey, hey, don't step on the shit, okay? <laughs> Knowing ball players, they'd be like, hey, this would be a funny joke. Let's go uh, trip Yasiel Puig and shove his face in the shit oh, pool boy. just outside of our dugout. The, and it's the, where the leak is coming in, there, you see the photos, there's people still sitting in the first row. Like, oh, right yeah. Right by the pool of it. Like, hey, I'm man, not giving paid, up these first row hey, man, seats. I paid money for this exhibition. Got a Dodger game. dog. Oh God. oh, God, does it smell bad. But I'm not leaving, man. I paid. I, I just got I, here with my popcorn. I'm not leaving. Where were the 03 Tigers? They should have been on the field in this game. Uh, yes. Talk like... about a team that was literally a puddle of shit. Your team is a muddy puddle of shit. Oh, and look, there's an actual one. That's right a good one. As well. All right. I need, I need a ruling from you, an adjudication on man law. Because you're, you're a man amongst men. You understand man law. Sure. And I think you could be a wise judge in this case. This came up out in Vegas with me and the boys. Okay? Sure. Here we go. We're watching the, the games in Vegas at the Monte Carlo Sportsbook slash Sports Bar called uh, whatever they called it, the, 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 the bottom line, the final line, the sportsbook, whatever. And with your bets, you got a couple of free drink coupons. And we had a big pile of drink coupons. I'm there. I'm drinking soda because I wasn't ready to start drinking alcohol. At one point in the night, I decide, okay, time to you know to lock in, start drinking alcohol. And our waitress comes over and says, do you want to drink? And I go, you know what? Actually, I do. And at that point, my friend Mikey O'Neill says, all happy and chipper, he's like, hey, Zabe, what do you want, man? And I go, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, bourbon on the rocks. And he goes, he takes it from there. He goes, okay, Woodford Reserve, okay? And I go, whoa. I well. said, I said, whoa. I said, how much is that? He says to me, don't worry about it. We okay. got tickets. Okay. All right. So anyway, you know, uh, off the waitress goes. Back comes my Woodford Reserve on the rocks, which, by the way, was delicious. It's my favorite bourbon. It yummy, is nice. Yummy. Yeah. And the night progresses. And at the end of the night, the bill comes. And I guess Mike had put his credit card down for the group. Well, I had only had one bourbon, which was that Woodford Reserve. And the other drink that I had was a shot, which somebody made me do. So I didn't feel like I had to pay for a shot that someone said, you have to do this shot. But when I said, well, what was the what was the Woodford Reserve? He said, 20 bucks. I go, I'm not paying for that, man. <laughs> I, I, said, I said, were the drink tickets only for beer? And if the answer was yes, I would have said, okay, here's the 20 bucks. Instead, he said, no, it was good for beer and rail drinks. Yeah. Well, I hate to be a cheap bitch about it, but I would have had a captain and diet with the free coupon instead of paying what I knew was going to be 15, 16, for premium yeah. for a Woodford Reserve, which is a premium drink. Well, that along with, I guess, other guys not paying Mike in a timely fashion <laughs> sent Mike into a pissed off bit of a snit and he also had lost money on kentucky and so he pretty much just said fine and he took the bill paid it and then disappeared into the night and then it was a big deal like you know he, oh. he was like 
I'm not going to come tomorrow if you, you guys can't are have pay your dude bar bill. drama. Come okay. on, dude. There's, if a little, there's a little bit of drama. A if, the, bit of drama. if the juices are flowing and he steps up and he made that call, he called for that. In your case, now the he other guys ste- who he stepped in yes, and said he stepped in. He, stepped he has in, to he pay. He ordered the beer. He ordered you, the Woodford Reserve for me, and then he said, you, "quote Don't worry about it." He, he didn't say I'd pay for it. No, he just said, "Don't worry about it," which could be interpreted as, "Hey, you're in Vegas. Don't yeah. worry about it." Fuck that. He's got, you know, because you would have uh, gone for the free drink and marshaled your resources to spend elsewhere. <laughs> right. So, now, okay, now so on your, in your now, case. Here's the thing. Here's I, the thing. I would have had he then engaged me, and if we had had a good back and forth, I would have settled on 10. I would have said, I'll yes. give you 10. You, you, we'll split it down the middle because you're right. Technically, you didn't say I'm paying for this. And I could have nixed it outright saying, yeah, that's going to be resist. too expensive. I, I did concede to you, but he didn't give me a chance to at least argue this out as men in a playful and non-judgmental yeah. you know, way. My judgment would have been 10 apiece for the $20 drink. That, that would have been your ruling? Yes, but okay. the drama that comes in, though, your case is separate. The, chiselers, the drama that he ensued? The chiselers well, okay. who didn't pay him, they, they a pox on their houses, the guys who didn't come up and, like, just when the tab comes, they go to the bathroom and wait till it's settled, and then, you know, because <laughs> well, we all have friends yeah. like that. Right. Well, okay, so in addition, Mike had a lot of money on Kentucky that night, and Kentucky shit the bed. Kentucky delivered a muddy puddle of, of sewage. Of Dodger like sewage. <laughs> Dodger sewage, right. So he was already not in the best of moods, which I understand because I've been that way as well. And I guess there was some cab rides in which he sat up front and picked up the cab ride and nobody went to their wallet on that. So there was an accumulation of okay. things. And I guess it uh, it spilled over the next morning. We're playing golf and I was in Mike's cart. And Mike said he, he's thinking about not going to watch the games. Uh, at you know the place because you know people weren't paying their bill, and at that point I just lit him up. I just yelled at him. I said, "Man, the fuck!" I said, "If anyone owes you money, buttonhole him and say you owe me money." He's like, "Well, but we're all adults here," and I go, "Yeah, we're all adults, but we're all men too." So man to man, if a guy owes you money, I said, "Treat these guys in our group like scallywags." That's how I do it as trip organizer. I have no qualms about telling somebody face-to-face, you owe me money for that, if they yeah. didn't pay their bill. Because we have to be rough with each other as men. Yeah. And then just let it go. This is the kind of stuff that I expect, uh, and I hate to be you know, in any way sexist, but women operate <laughs> women. this way. Women are more you know, petty. Dudes can just let uh, roommates, situations, guys, it's like, oh, you're a jackass. I'm pissed. You you, yeah. you owe me 50 bucks. You're, and we let stuff slide. You don't just stew about it and then take your ball and go home. That's weak sauce. You can't do that. Yeah. Either confront the guy or you pay the tab. There's yeah, no in between. There's said, no passive aggressive whining and being bitchy. Yeah, I said, do you? if you, somebody owes you money, then you ask. Or if you're there holding the bill, then you should yell out, whoa, 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 whoa. Where's everyone going? Yeah, I want twenty from you. I want twenty from you. Here, here's but, the big league Mike, thing Mike, for you guys to do next time: is play a little credit card roulette. Throw the, uh, oh. throw the all. Everybody throw a card in and let the let the hot waitress go and pick, and then the last card in pays the tab. You do that enough times, you know, it, it all evens out in the end. But it's a, a lot of fun, man. That's better. That's some sweet action. That's some sweet action. Well, to Mike's credit, by about the fifth hole, because this was on the second hole, in which we had this frank conversation. In fact, I had to remind him of the fact that one of the guys that once played golf with us a few times on the trip just passed away of cancer. Uh, very, very gut-wrenching, awful situation. And I, I don't know if that's wrong for me to bring up in the heat of the moment. Like, are you really caring about this? Don't you know that you know uh, Paul died of cancer, you asshole? Let's just fucking that's play a good, golf and have Drop fun. the mic moment. Yeah, that's it, a, it was, it was, I felt like kind of wrong using no, that as one nope. of the You things. went nuclear. No. That's the end of drama. That You ended the drama. Okay. No, but, perfect. But that said, okay, to Mike's credit, uh, so that was on the second hole, and I just lit into him. And as soon as, we, as, soon as I lit into him... <laughs> I topped the shit out of this three wood because I was on tilt. Like I literally had to try to calm myself. Oh, I love it! And then, shot, and then I, then I topped the. And then shot. you got to scream at him for messing up your game. No, I didn't. I oh, didn't you should have. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't do that because I'm like, hey man, you chose to yell at him, so you're the one that's going to have to deal with the consequences. I then actually right. hit a great three wood after the top three wood to get on the green in, in three on a par five, and then I three-putted for bogey, so whatever. But to Mike's credit, by the fifth hole, 
He was perfectly fine. We had a great we had a great round the rest of the way. And by the end of the round, he was apologizing to me, and I said, "Man, there's no apology needed." I said, "Just at the bottom line, going forward, if you front for something and people owe you money, you fucking ask them for it. And if they're and if they're not paying you, then mention it to me, and I'll come in as muscle, and I'll make sure that they pay you." Yeah, that that's what you need. Like this this comes up, man. Zay, it does. With with guys, whether it's beer and wings, watching games, or whether it's a nice dinner, you don't want to go separate checks. But you hate the guy who said, "Wait, I just had a salad and a lemonade, and you guys had you know beers." And well, that's the thing. It's so like, like okay, we're gonna split it eight ways, or uh, you want to get your calculator out because that's a chick move. Well, look, there was <laughs> there's a guy on our trip, and we love him, but he doesn't drink because he's he he once upon a time is one version of himself was a wild man. I mean, like drinking to the point where one more DUI for this guy and, you know, they would put him under the jail kind mm-hmm. of thing. So he doesn't drink, which is great. I mean, that's really hard to do to come on these trips and literally don't drink a drop of alcohol. Am I right about that? Oh, yeah, just to hang around people who are boozing, that's tough. Yeah, so we went to, you know, big expensive steak dinner, hashtag, you know, trademark, the, the typical big expensive steak dinner where everything's $100, right? Yeah. And he didn't drink, and he also, because he was a bit on a bit of a budget, he had one of the lesser entrees. And so there was some calculation as to what he was going to chip in, and there was a little bit of eye-rolling from some people, and I was like, it doesn't matter. I'm like, here, I'll just, here's my, because I didn't drink that much that night either, but I just said I'm in for 150 bucks or whatever it was, for the drinks, for the appetizers, for the steak. Wow. Plus, I did have the surf and turf. See, whenever there's a big group ordering and you know you're going to be, like, cu- cutting it up evenly, yeah. make sure to get the surf and, and the, the, turf. the turf. Go with it all. <laughs> get them both on that one. But, wow. yeah, these things come up. And then and then I had to get on Gitter's case because he, he tapped out early on Saturday night at, like, 11.45. No, 10.45 before his Sunday flight at 3.30 in the oh, afternoon. Wow. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? Of course, you've been drinking all day, so it happens. I suppose. That's right. Guys get along with guys as long as we communicate frankly and directly and then don't harbor things. Yeah, breaking balls is a sport, and then, yeah, and then exactly, go on. So uh, if you're listening, Mikey, I owe you 10 bucks for that Woodford Reserve, which is delicious. (laughs) So it says the judge. The judge in the case, uh, Drew Olson, says I do owe you 10. We've got to split it down the middle. Speaking of drinking, Johnny Manziel is furiously trying to make a comeback. Simple question, Drew. Will he be invited come August to an NFL roster? Despite, yes or no? Despite the dearth of quarterbacks, I say no. I agree with you. I think there's no fucking way in hell. That right now looks good. He's saying all uh, the right things. He's doing these workouts. He was at the Texas A&M Pro Day throwing. Says that if uh, he doesn't get a job in the NFL, he will go to the CFL if they will have him. I just don't see any team saying, oh, good. We know he's going to be a backup at best because nobody wants him as a starter. That's crazy. And we want him as a backup so that the next time he does something stupid, it causes a huge headache with the media in our town and with our locker room and everything else. Oh, that'd be great. Come on, Johnny. Yeah. We want you to be our backup. He, I'm all about second chances, but think about the optics if he was, gets an invite and makes somebody's team to hold a clipboard and Colin Kaepernick is still working out. A, oh well, he's already addressed field. that. You've seen Johnny Manziel's tweet. Yeah, about he supports that, right? Cap, right? But yeah, he's like, stop putting me in the same sentence. I support Cap. He should get a shot as well. And you know what he did, I totally respect, and I'm a fine with. Yeah, but, that's great. But the people making the decisions would be in for a shitstorm if that happened. Uh, they would. Did you see the driverless Uber and the video that killed a pedestrian in Phoenix, Arizona? I did see it. Okay, you make the call. Block or charge? Good. Oh, Dave, you are such a sick bastard. Oh, man. All right, let me not, let me rephrase it. You make the call. Would a human driver have avoided that horrible accident? At that speed, I don't think so. 37 miles an hour. If you have not seen the video, you're going to need to go Google search it. When I saw it, I was like, holy shit, that woman comes out of nowhere. Out of the dark. Out of the dark. And there is one second in which that Google auto-driving car had to either swerve or brake or something. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think a human would have had it. And I, I'm I'm all in with the driverless car. Oh, you want it? 
Oh yeah. You're ready for our uh, Let's robot go with overlords, it. huh? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> You're like, I'm, I'm tired of driving. Plus, I want to drink and just, I want to I pour myself into the back seat of an Uber Volkswagen and be yeah. told, take me home. Rush geez. hour would be so much easier if the cars were driverless connected. It'd be seamless. It'd, now, be, the, like, it'd be like in the old, uh, like the cartoons when they showed traffic and it was moving, you know, and in different directions and it was seamless. Now, it, it seems like, okay, so from what I read, Drew, these uh, Uber cars use LiDAR as their forward obstacle sensing technology, uh, which is supposedly LiDAR is better than radar because it works in the dark and in the light equally well. In theory, it does. So even though that woman came out of the shadows at the last second for a car driving 37 miles an hour, which is not that fast... It, the LiDAR apparently didn't see her to, to then tell the Uber car to make any adjustments. And the guy in the car, because, of course, there was a human in there, for safety's sake, he was looking at his phone. He was, like, not paying attention. And you see the in-car camera show that loser look up at the last second, like, ooh, as the woman, the poor woman gets plowed into. And could you tell what the haircut was on that guy? No. I mean, that, that was like... The, that guy in that car, that Uber car, that driverless Uber was like John Q. Loser. Fat, burrito stained with this weird pony, not even a ponytail. It was like short in the front, long in the back. Wasn't quite a mullet. I couldn't quite figure it out. It's trailer park or prison yard. I can't decide. It's one of the two, right? Yeah. So, obviously, they're now going to scale this back. They're going to, uh, I think Uber has already announced, they're, like, yeah, they're, they're going to slow down on this driverless car thing. Google's going to still try what to do what they're doing with it. There's no stopping the future of driverless cars. This will happen. You and I agree on this. Yes. Press forward with it. There were said, When we stopped the horse and buggies and started with the Model T, there were accidents and there were yes. hiccups. But, yeah, you got to do it. That said, I do not want to victim blame here. But i got to do some victim blaming. You can't just walk your bike across a street in the darkness wearing dark clothes and literally not even look towards oncoming traffic. I mean, you can, yeah. but that's insane. Like, I would never, I can say with confidence, Drew, I would never be struck by a 37-mile-an-hour car with its lights on, which the Uber car did have its lights on. Never in a million years. Nope. Who yeah. just takes their bike and says, well, I'm going to walk across the street, and I'm going to I, uh, be so focused on either my bicycle or maybe she was looking at her phone. I couldn't quite tell. Whatever the case, how do you not at least take a glance to your right as you know you are putting yourself in peril? I'm going to walk across the street. That's not a good, that's, that's not a good strategy, Cotton. I, uh, I, Zabe. Near Stately Olson Manor, some of the streets are dark. I sometimes scream at people who are walking their dogs after dark. Because? Black dogs, dark clothing, it, nothing reflective or lit up about them. And I come upon them, and they just, on the side of the road, and they just scare the shit out of me because I'm like, oh, geez, you know? And you say, like, hey, how about some reflective? Yeah, how about, you know, when I do that, when the, when I walk my dog at night, I wear a light-up vest, a reflective vest that makes me look like a construction worker. I don't care how it looks. Just it, you loser, but guess what? You don't yeah, want to die. I'm not going to get hit. All right, last one here. Bangladeshi man fakes death in order to avoid paying cricket bet. How about that, huh? He hired a film to make a, a he hired a film and a makeup artist, uh, an occasional videographer to film his so-called murder after he lost a bet of one hundred and fifty thousand taka or eighteen hundred dollars on the Nidahas Trophy final between Bangladesh and. India. He had won forty grand taka, forty thousand taka from the same person during the Bangladesh Sri Lanka semi. He spent the money and then made a bigger bet on the final. Now I know what to do next time Mike O'Neill's looking for, for my money oh, on the credit card. Oh yeah, that's a good one. I'd love to pay you, but I uh I'm dead actually, and here is my uh actual film showing me being murdered. How far would you go to get out of a bet? Oh, uh, boy. Moving? Not that far, right? Not that far. Yeah, yeah that, that's yeah. moving. <laughs> <laughs> right. Change, right. No, I changed my cell phone number. That's about it. <laughs> All right, Drew. 
You can listen to Drew on the Big 920 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, every day, except for opening day, from noon to 3. That's correct. Central Daylight Time. That's right. The iHeartRadio app is your friend. iHeartRadio app is your friend. And also, you can follow Drew on Twitter at... Drew Olson, MKE. All right, Hoser. All right, take off. We'll talk to you next week, Zabe. All right, see ya. I'm a band. All right, one last thing before we go, and I'll admit I have not read the full article on this. I don't think I need to, but I'm sure at some point I will read it. Just I saw this wash across my timeline, and I chuckled. According to this screen cap I saw of a story on the Internet, that sounds really reliable, Zabe. I know. It said, in France, emailing workers after hour, after hours is illegal, comma, could that be coming to New York City? <laughs> oh boy, here we go. Ooh, here we go. It doesn't shock me that there would be a law in France that says it is illegal for an employer to email their employee after work hours. It's something that you would expect France to do. And I know many of you would say, well, that's a great idea, Zabe. You have no idea the shit I take from my boss and my work where I can't get away from my phone for two seconds. You know, my time is my time, their time. I work for it and I work damn hard. Okay, I I get it on that. It's just when you start passing laws. You know, sometimes there is beneficial emails that need to be sent at night or after hours. I often wrestle with when should I send an email to somebody uh, that I need to, you know, advance the ball on when it comes to an issue or a project or something. And I often think at night is a good time to do it, that uh, I don't like sending emails during the day when I'm focused on my show and focused on getting through the day and what else I have to do, and that when things calm down at night, I have my list of things, and I go, you know what, all right, I'm going to type out this email. I'll send it tonight. I'm, I'm not expecting an answer tonight, but I'm going to at least have it in that person's inbox the next morning so they can see it and deal with it and do whatever. I don't know... I don't know what it would be like if there was actually a law in which you could not send work-related emails to either employees or bosses after hours. And then you've got to start taking into account time zones because people have jobs with companies that spread across all different parts of the country and different time zones and different states. Are you going to think, well, I really need to get the Johnson account uh, moved off of its initial phase And I just got approval uh, from the printer on that project. And so I'm going to make sure to send this to uh, Mary Jane, uh, who is working on the other end. Oh, wait a minute. She's in Chicago. Oh, shit. It's 730 here. Damn it. The office is closed. I guess I got to wait till tomorrow. Something tells me that would be a terrible idea. All right, that'll do it for us today. Thanks for listening. You know the drill. Tell two friends. Tweet about this show incessantly. Leave positive reviews. Download, subscribe at all the major podcast outlets, iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and more. And as Stephen Wright, the great deadpan comedian, once said, everywhere is within walking distance if you have the time. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we will see you next time.